This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, my peers, and welcome to this week's episode of the Peers Project Podcast. I'm so excited to share with you all an incredibly insightful conversation I had with today's guest, my peers. You know, with a background in startups, having co-founded numerous startups over the past few years, our guest today opens up about something that we don't often talk about, and that is this idea of pursuing things for the wrong reasons. I think so many of us, my peers, fall into this trap. You know, we pursue certain jobs, careers, and even businesses because we expect that this will bring us a certain level of wealth and status. We attach all of these expectations to coveted goals and believe that we'll be happy once we've achieved them. You know, we'll be happy once we're earning six figures or gotten that promotion. We'll be happy once we've reached 10,000 followers or worked with 1,000 clients. We're forever chasing that next goal, my peers, in hope that we experience true fulfillment. Now, our guest today deep dives into this problem and talks about this idea of pursuing fulfilling goals as opposed to ego-driven goals, while opening up about why anxiety and depression is particularly so prevalent among entrepreneurs. He also touches on how to develop true self-confidence and unveils his success strategy to becoming a digital nomad. So who is this brilliant young entrepreneur I'm talking about? Well, his name is Milan Amin. Millen is the CEO and co-host of the Notorious Hustlers podcast, where he interviews some of the greatest minds from around the world. His guests include TEDx speakers, CEOs, and New York Times best-selling authors. He's also an Instagram growth expert who has increased the influence of dozens of accounts to over tens of thousands of followers. He's currently living the digital nomad life and has moved from London to Thailand. There are just so many amazing takeaways and bite-sized pieces of wisdom in this episode, my peers, and I cannot wait for you all to listen to it. You know, remember to share this episode with your friends, you know, take a screenshot, tag the Peers Project and Millen and Min so that we know you're listening in. So without further ado, my peers, here is my conversation with the brilliant Millen Amin. Millen, welcome to the Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. 
Yeah, love love to be here, man. It's amazing, amazing energy. So looking forward to it. No, love it. Great. Well, you know, you and I connected on LinkedIn several months ago now, and you know, I'd stalked you long before you know you'd liked one of my LinkedIn videos, and when you did, I knew I had to reach out and connect with you further. Um, you know, so I sent you that DM on LinkedIn and asked to pick your brain essentially around you know Instagram and how you grow your Instagram, which is your specialty. So I really appreciate you taking that call at the time and also excited to have you on the show. Yeah, I think we covered quite a bit on Instagram and um, it was it was pretty amazing. So, you know, I'm excited to share that with the audience today. Love it. Awesome. Cool. So before we dive into your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? So I grew up in a small town called Croydon. It's actually not, is it, I mean, it's small to the world, but in London, it's like one of the biggest towns that there is. Um, and the area I grew up is an area called Thornton Heath, which is known for its very being a very ghetto area. It's uh, not like super developed. It's not a very high end area, but it's an area where I suppose a lot of immigrants came many, many years ago, we're talking about 30, 40 years ago, and they sort of grew up there. And that was like their first base. Um, And so it has a lot, it has a very big community feel to it. Um, But I suppose everybody is deep rooted in their ethics and working hard. And it's interesting, I've never been asked that before. But upon reflection, I can see that what it brought about was creating a sense of community. It brought about creating a sense of working hard, um, but also maintaining relationships because a lot of people there knew each other. So you would walk down the street and you would often know about five to 10 people. Um, so I think indirectly I've kind of embedded that into my life now. And, um, you know, as I go building relationships in Bali, as I grow building communities online, um, the ethics of working hard, it's all stuff that kind of, I suppose, stemmed and originated from where I was uh, brought up. That's very cool. And I love, I love that parallel you've made with the work you do today and how that's kind of shaped what you do. And I, I remember in that conversation we did have around um, Instagram growth and whatnot, you, you, the fundamentals of it all was really based on that community building, that relationship building with the audience. So I think that's super cool. What did your, um, what did your parents do? So my dad, so my dad was a salesman and my mum, she's been working in, it's like a supermarket, it's called Tesco. So she's been working there for over 20 years. And in that time, I think it's like, she's had dozens of opportunities to progress and, you know, become managers and area managers and divisional managers. But I think mums being mums, they just want to do enough to, you know, keep the family going. They're not really concerned about the fancy titles and you know, they're, all they're concerned is, is just giving you the food to kind of grow, right? And I think that's that's what she's done in fulfilling her sort of purpose, per se. I love that. I think that that I could totally resonate with that. And I think that seeing what your parents did and that they were very much so hardworking, you know, as you said, like you grew up in that community, it was just kind of hardworking and you did what you did to support your family and whatnot. I think that yeah. that's super interesting. How do you think that that has affected you, per se, in the work you do now? 
Sure. I think it's it, so a lot of people are going to say, you know, it's it made me work really hard and it made me want to, you know, really get driven. And, and that all happened. Right. But here's the conundrum. It gets to a point where you've seen your potentially family struggle. So you're like, OK, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to you know, become something. I'm going to do this. I'm going to earn a lot of money. I'm going to have all these statuses. And then you realize very quickly that that's all very well, but what they don't teach you and equip you for is how do you deal with the things that come as a byproduct of chasing vanity, greed, uh, superiority, power. So I found myself on my entrepreneurial journey at a stage where I was like, okay, I've got so many connections, I have this money, I have all of these things, but what doesn't leave you is the sort of vices per se of vanity, superiority, power, greed, and all these things. And that's what I kind of worked on myself on over the last sort of year or two and just kind of, you know, stripping myself of that, being more humble, being more compassionate. I think parents will always like, you always want to do well because of, you know, people have always seen their parents' struggles. But, you know, I think there's another side to the story, and especially with millennials, because we have the power to connect with the entire world like we're doing now. But what comes after you have that power, after you have that vanity, after you have that, like, money, everything, right? And that's what I think people need to focus on, because if they don't, they're going to find themselves constantly in a trap of always wanting more. If I have 100,000 followers on Instagram, I want a million. If I have a million pounds, I want a billion. Um, so that's the conundrum there and the balance that I think people need to focus mm. on. I find that super interesting and I I can I think your point is so relevant to to our generation and to what we're about and and kind of that gap between our parents generation and ours. So I mean for yourself how do you think that you know I want to go a bit deeper into your story. Yeah. I want to go a bit deeper into the early days of Millen, you know, hustling away and into you now. So I mean, if we dive into maybe your university days, so I see that you, you know, you went to the University of Leicester. I could be pronouncing that wrong. Leicester, Leicester. right? Yeah, it's called Leicester. Leicester in, yeah. um, in the UK. And, you know, you did that kind of typical degree, Bachelor of Arts in Economics, and you did very well and, and whatnot, did those, all of that kind of business study. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset at the time? You know, talk us through sure. that, uh, those early days. Okay, I'll talk you through my mindset of this entire roller coaster of over the last decade. So I started um, university at you know up until university, I, I still feel like until the age of eighteen, you're still passively under the guidance of your parents and them telling you what is best for you, right? I didn't really know what I wanted to do at university, and I think this is why the schooling system has fundamentally failed because. At 18, I don't know what I want to do. And most people change their careers still, even now, dozens of times before they find it. Anyway, I picked what was best according to the social norms and sticking to the social hierarchy, right? So I went into economics and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to become an investment banker working in Canary Wharf. And I done it. And about a weekend, I was like, okay, this is totally crap, right? Like, I hate my life. Being an investment banker is the most boring thing in the world. This corporate lifestyle is like the worst thing ever. Why did I, like, according to like social society and social norms, like I was like, you know, doing really well. But then internally, I was like, this is so unfulfilling. Why do people even give a shit about this? Like, I I found it like so difficult to understand why people gave a crap about like, I was doing equity derivatives trading and it was like this extremely boring topic, right? So um, 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, you know what? I need to kind of figure myself out of this. Um, so then I started. Um, I, w- I started working with one of the dragons from Dragons Den. I don't know if you have that show in Australia, but in in UK, okay. it's quite big. Yeah, so basically a dragon is somebody who's got like a net worth of about maybe starting with about 100 million plus on average. And um, they basically create small businesses. So I started working with somebody from Dragon's Den and they created their own little business. And I was in very much in the early stages with one of the founders and we kind of created it and we grew it and we exited that. In the process, the reason why I wanted to work with him is because I read his biography and it was just the most phenomenal biography ever. And again, I was like, oh, I want to aspire to be like these billionaires and these hundred millionaires. And, you know, like I wanted that lifestyle for myself, like all these guys who, you know, because it it does come from a humble place and, you know, you also want a story, right? So anyways, I started working for him. I exited the company. I learned a tremendous amount in that time about myself, about entrepreneurship, because I was working very, very closely with people who had a lot of money, had a lot of business power, and they really knew how to work. And then after that, I realized like I got a bit brave, I suppose. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try and do my own thing. I'm going to try and launch my own ventures. And I started creating my own startups while working part time for another organization purely to support, you know, myself financially. I was completely bootstrapped as many entrepreneurs are. Um, so I took, I took on this part-time role where I was working in this mobile app and development kind of space, right? And I wanted to be the next 21-year-old kid who creates Nick Snapchat, just like everybody else, right? But then what I realized very quickly is that apps take so much time to build and the entire market got saturated very quickly. Anyways... In the time where I started my entrepreneurial ventures, I went from product to product, service to service, and many, many, many of these failed. But some did really well, and we ended up selling them, and we ended up exiting them. But when you become an entrepreneur, it's most people do it for the title, for to say to others, they want to put it on their LinkedIn that they're an entrepreneur. They don't really give a shit about solving real world problems. They just want the vanity and the money and the social status and all of that that comes with it. And that was me. I was the guy who was doing it purely to make money. And the moment I started doing that, it was fundamentally flawed. Like you're already doomed from day one. The moment you do something for money, you're already dead. Like just forget it, right? Because... But, yeah. but it's an ego so thing. Like, for me, it was an ego thing, right? I, I, for me, it was like, if you had told me uh, like a few years ago that, oh, by the way, you should just stop what you're doing because you're doing it for money, I'd be like, well, screw you because I'm going to have millions and hot babes surrounding me and live in the whole package. <laughs> and, and let me get a yacht. Yeah, let me get a yacht in Bali, right? I was like, okay. But then I think it's a huge ego thing. And what happens is, you know, this is, this is where things get crazy because when you look up to the entrepreneurs that are dominating our society, online society, like the Gary V's, like all these people who put these quotes on their Instagram, no, no pain, no gain, work hard, play hard. Look, the only reason why you got to work hard and play hard is because you don't know how to work easy and play hard. Mm -hmm. The only reason why you have to have no pain, no gain is because you haven't learned to have no pleasure, no gain. Mm -hmm. So you're screwed. Our entire society is basing their ideology on a couple of people that had to endure pain in order to experience gain. And what I'm trying to say as a millennial and as a forward thinker is that ideology is old school, man. It has to be no pleasure, no gain. Why do you take pride in experiencing pain? It's so stupid. So 
anyways, that is where that relates to my earlier point about the whole idea of greed and vanity and power and all these types of things that don't leave you because all everyone on YouTube and Instagram, all they bash into you is you just got to keep working harder. And for me, it got to a point, well, how much harder can I work? I was already sleeping at 10 o'clock every day, waking up at 3 a.m. And I started hating myself because I wasn't being as successful as I thought I could be. And then I thought the solution to that was to work harder. And then the more harder I worked, I never became as successful. And then it and then it drives people into depression and anxiety. And then you're just a total disaster who ends up in either rehab or somewhere else, right? And the society is so flawed with this. Well, anyways, with me, fortunately enough, I was um, lucky enough to meet somebody who kind of showed me the ropes, showed me how flawed this entire ideology is that I've been living in. But what's more unfortunate in is that tens of thousands of entrepreneurs, if not millions, are still living this ideology today. So I started focusing more on what makes me fulfilled, what makes me happy. I started saying, look, I don't need to be an entrepreneur to sit in Bali on a beach, work and do whatever the hell I want. And I'm doing that right now, getting paid to talk at conferences here, getting paid by five star hotels to live in them for free, like all of these things. Right. And, you know, I don't get I don't even have to work much. So I guess that's where I am now. And that's the story over the last sort of seven, eight years. Wow. There is so much to take in there. And I loved every minute of that. I've Still just taking it in, I think. Um, so many questions come out of that. I think the first one, one of the things that just really stuck with me throughout this whole thing is this idea of kind of like expectation for yourself. You yep. know, it's this idea around, um, I mean, you said it so well, it's this idea around, well, you know, I think I should be doing this. Everyone else thinks I'm successful from the outside and I want to be perceived as that because this ego boost and I feel makes me feel good, all that kind of stuff. And really deep down, I actually feel really quite lost and empty. And I think that is just so key, all of that that you're speaking on. And I think for me, the question here is when did it get too much? You know, talk us through that pivotal moment where you just thought, what is happening? Like this is too much. So mentally, you just feel completely trapped, right? Mentally, you feel like you can't, it gets to a point where, you can't even maintain relationships with your friends, with your close friends. It, it gets to the point where you can't be happy for anyone because you become so unhappy with yourself. And I think, you know, you start becoming resentful. You start becoming like depressed. You start getting anxiety attacks. And here's the thing. Here's how I describe anxiety. It's like a tree in the ocean just trying to keep its roots gripped to the ground and around it there's waves and these waves are pushing harder and harder trying to like tell this tree look you just got to go with the flow but the problems with entrepreneurs is that they're so focused on having control that they just make their lives so rigid now life has a natural flow to it the more you try and control life you're just gonna lose it's like fighting against the sea so I found myself in a place where the more control I exerted in my life, the more unhappy I was. And this is the fundamental problem that people are too focused on the goals and not focused on the process because they feel that they need to control the process in order to actually get anywhere in life, right? For me now, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Today, after this podcast, I'm helping turtles like actually go into the oceans because they're an endangered species here in Bali. But I think that is when it gets too much. It's when 
you your so mentally you start experiencing problems and then physically you start experiencing like depression and anxiety and like you trembling and then you and and it's very very dangerous like if you don't realize this soon enough you're going to get pulled out and the the reason people do it is because they're like that tree in the ocean surrounded by waves bashing at it which is life trying to take it in all sorts of magical directions but they're too focused on keeping itself rooted to their crazy ideologies right and as a result of that the tree weakens over time and that tree represents us as humans who weaken over time and in the end there's one of two options like either you go crazy and many many entrepreneurs i know are like suicidal and stuff or mm. you just give in and you surrender to life and you just say okay life like i just trust that whatever's going to be there is nothing more important than my sanity and my well-being and my happiness and the moment you surrender to that as opposed to your creativity, it depends what's more important to you, right? If, if your happiness and all of that's more important, then these ideologies of becoming this woo-woo entrepreneur is a billionaire, then that's how you get out of it. I think that's so powerful. And I think that, firstly, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think so many, I can imagine this will resonate with many of our peers out there listening who are either an entrepreneur themselves or potentially on that corporate route that you also found yourself on. And I did too, you know, that, that fast track to yep. an investment banker or, or, you know, consulting job at a big company, a big firm. And I think that it's just these ideologies, as you said, that we have as being this type of person. But I think where the trap comes and you said it so well is this idea of we don't actually know what it's like to be that person. And we don't know that, you know, when you get to that, CEO position or head investment bank or whatever it is, partner at this, you know, how happy are you? You know, happy, how, how much, yeah. you know, joy are you having every day? And yes, money can bring freedom a hundred percent. But I think that, as you said, I think it fundamentally can screw with you if you're in that straight totally. state of stress and anxiety. So I think what I'm most curious to know next is this idea around the swap from um, working really hard and just this narrow mindset to let's pursue purpose and passion and fulfillment, you know, Mm -hmm. how do you transition from that mind to the other? And do you think that's something that we can all develop that, that ability to transition? Sure. Just before I go into that, I just want to talk, uh, I want to do a bit of a litmus test, which your audience can potentially do in if they're listening to this. If you feel like you have pride in being a billionaire and what you do is so fulfilling, if the first thousand or ten thousand pounds you make don't give you that joy and don't give you that sense of satisfaction and fulfillment, the hundredth million or the billionth won't. Like, I just want to make that super clear. Like, if if you think you're going to be this entrepreneur who's serving clients, if you serve four or five clients and it doesn't give you joy, the 50th client, who may be a much bigger client, is not going to give you joy, right? And a lot of, so you have to do a litmus test. Um, and, and most entrepreneurs don't. They think suddenly the first 10,000 pounds or the 100,000 pounds won't be that great. But it suddenly magically becomes incredible after you hit a million. And it's like, it doesn't because, you know, your mindset doesn't change, right? Like it becomes, you normalize to it. Like right now I'm normalized to so many things and it's like you don't get fulfillment out of them, right? So you really got to focus on doing small tests for yourself and then expanding out. Now, in terms of how people can live a life of purpose and passion, I think it comes down to 
see what's interesting when you're kids like i for me it was animals right like i'm a big animal person but it wasn't it was always something that my parents were like oh you know do it as a hobby do it on weekends do it like here there everywhere but but never like take it as a career or do it something seriously right so what i'm trying to say is that there comes a point where you can sit in Bali and get massages and don't get me wrong, it's incredible. But will it, if I had to give that up right now to be like helping animals, which I'm doing straight after this court, like I would give it up in a heartbeat because that is what gives me a sense of fulfillment. And people are so focused on making money that they're not focused on being fulfilled, right? And so the question is, how do you become fulfilled? Well, how do you find that? Like if you're sitting, if someone's listening to this right now who has no idea where to start, and it's just like, okay, you know what? I, I want to be fulfilled. I want to experience these amazing things that you're saying, but where do I start? I've become so lost as an entrepreneur that I don't even know what it means to have fun. And I was that guy. So if you're listening to this, I hear you. What I would say to you is that you need to surround yourself where the things you want to do are possible. And that is when I think when we spoke, we mentioned that one of the things that we would say on this podcast is how do you actually so how do you become a nomad and how do you travel the world, right? So for me, what was big is connecting with people. It was big about forming relationships. It was big about helping animals. That was what I really wanted to do. It was like I wanted to just like surround myself in this environment. But I would never get that in London because in London, everyone's really stuck up and arrogant and, you know, in, in the last week, I've met about 30 to 40 incredible people in Bali, but and, and I've helped out so many animal conservation stuff, and I would just never get the opportunity to do that. So I think it's about surrounding yourself in an environment where you can thrive, and but also being conscious that whatever you're not going to, whatever you're doing right now is not fulfilling you. As long as you acknowledge that and just understand that it's not fulfilling you, then you'll be more inclined to go towards an environment where you will be more fulfilled. I love that. And I love the mention around that tribe. You know, I think we talk a lot about that here at the Peers Project, that idea of finding your tribe and the people who you can resonate with, whether that's, you know, within a different environment, you literally have to move to find them, or whether that's within your own city and just mingling with different people and, you know, meeting different communities or hanging out in different communities. I think that that's huge. I think that it's so cool to see that you've been able to almost create this new tribe that you've got around people who are just so friendly yeah. and you know, you have these conversations that like a, you know, that, that lift you up instead of make you stressed, you know? And so I think that that's absolutely awesome. Exactly. Um, cool. Okay. So I want to go a bit deeper into some of the stuff we touched on around um, your progression around, you know, to digital nomad. I, I want to go from, you know, you're hustling hard. You've now realized you've had your moment of clarity and you've realized that, hold up, this isn't really what I want. Now, I think I'm going to let that go and go do something else. How, how did you get there? You know, talk us through those steps. Sure. So what I've been always really good at is getting a job. And I'm not saying getting a job in the conventional sense that I send in my CV. I have every single job I've ever had until now, I've never sent in my CV. I would so and then just to give you stories, so I used to walk into a building and I used to have an envelope and it used to like I used to get a top secret stamp and stamp it on it and I would say this needs to be hand delivered to the CEO <laughs> and the receptionist would be like, Oh my god, let me take that from you and I would be like, No, this is top secret, you can tell it needs to be hand delivered and then she would be like, Okay, she would call up the CEO and be like there's a gentleman here downstairs who has a package he says has to be hand-delivered. And then the CEO would come down and I would pitch myself to him in person. And I'll be like, I want a job. And this is why I'll be awesome to work with you. Um, no. Or I would send, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would do crazy things. 
or I would send like, I remember once I sent this like incredible package, um, which was like my entire portfolio. Like it was this pop-up thing. It looked incredible and it was like all my skills and experience and how it would help the company and all these things. And then like I sent like five and then I got like three offers from that. And the CEOs just called me and were like, oh my God, we need people like you to work in the company. So it's like, I was always like really good at getting jobs because I, I, my, here's my, here's my logic. If you want a job and you think you're the best person for that job, how does it make sense to apply in the exact same way as everybody else? It's just crazy. It's like you're sat there thinking you're better than these guys, but you're doing the exact same thing as them. Like, are you crazy or like what's going on? Right. So I'm always a big fan of differentiating yourself. And sometimes I've cold called billionaires. Like I'm just weird because what's the worst that they're going to do? Put the phone down on me. Tell me to F off. Big deal, man. Like I don't really care. Right. I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. So screw it. Anyway, so going on to how to become a digital nomad, I think here's why it doesn't work if you're kind of an entrepreneur because you're always scared of losing clients you're always like because there's always that fear factor right like you're like oh what if i lose that client what if i get to there and then i have to like you know find new people you're always focused on scaling you're always focused on expanding you're always focused on it's always driven from a place of fear like you have to get bigger you have to get more clients just to act as a buffer if everything goes down and it's crazy so i was like okay screw this there's tons of digital nomads in the world. There's tons of people who work remotely. How did they do it? So then here's like my top tips. If you want to become a digital nomad, I've done this strategy like so many times. A lot of my friends have become digital nomads as a result of this strategy. So definitely tune in. Um, what I would say is that there is a website called angel.co. And I'm a big fan like of minimal input, but maximum output. So what I would say is that First of all, most people's CVs suck. I'm going to be honest. Like, I used to, like, be a recruiter, like, when I was in the venture with James Khan. Every CV is black and white. Every CV is text-heavy. Every CV is boring as hell. And it's like, when you're a recruiter, you go through a CV in about three seconds, right? So if you're not glitz and glamour and you're just black and white, you're going straight into, like, the pile where nobody gives a shit about you, Um so I would honestly hire a graphics designer first or just some freelancer from Upwork or Fiverr or anything to make your CV like stand out full of color, full of like, you know, like, for example, one of my friends, right, he's spoken at so many events and he's got like loads of followers, like, but he's never been good at like running his own business. So he wanted to be a digital nomad. So he put like logos of places he's talked at, like 100,000 followers globally. He made it like a poster mm-hmm. and he made it attractive. And you're trying to attract people, but you're making your CV unattractive. Mm-hmm. Like the logic is crazy, right? Everyone thinks it needs to be informative, but fundamentally, if a recruiter goes to a CV in three seconds, it needs to stand out, right? So I was like, focus more on making it like a like a post like a graphics thing obviously it has to have your experience i'm not doubting that but there are numerous like people uh, and startup like enhanced cv for example that actually make your cv look incredible look very aesthetic a lot of color a lot of vibrancy that's the first thing i would say the second thing is go on websites like angel.co and what you'll find there is you'll have to create a profile. Now, take a lot of time to create this profile. I, I typically spend about like, I think I spent about two hours creating mine because I wanted to be as detailed as possible. I wanted to demonstrate as much credibility as possible. So I spent a long time doing it. And then you can select an option. So whether you're a marketer or a software developer or, or a project manager, you can add in that title and select an option called Remote OK. If you select Remote OK, 
then it will give you all the startups in the world that allow people to work remotely. And then what you do, there is a, a button called apply now. Now, when you click that, it's just a one-click apply button. So you've uploaded your CV. You've made it amazing. You've got a very credible profile. You've spent a lot of time doing that. Now it's just about how do you get minimal input but maximum output. So if, if, if it takes one second to apply to one job, and it genuinely does, that's not an exaggeration because you just have to press one button and it will say optional in terms of if you want a personalized note. I've never done it. Nobody I know has ever done a personalized note. Like, and then you just hit apply and, and that's it. Like within a couple of seconds, you honestly just apply to one job. And within like half an hour, you've sent over a hundred applications. And if you do like an hour, you've sent over 200 applications within the space of an hour, right? It's crazy. And out of 200, like I've typically found you get about 20 interviews out of 20 interviews, you get about four offers, four offers, you just pick one. So that is what I found works really well. Again, like work in startups is, is also another one. Uh, this is more for London-based listeners, uh, if you're tuning into this. Um, that's, again, another one. And a lot of companies won't say remote. But here's the thing. They're a startup, right? So I just apply to them anyway. If they want to work with me, my conditions are that I'm going to be remote. Either you accept it or either you don't, but at least engage in a conversation with me. There are too many people I know that are focused on saying, oh, but it doesn't say remote. That means that they won't accept me. What? And I'm thinking, but why are you making that assumption? Because startups are versatile. They are like generally global. They're very open-minded because they're bootstrapping. So you know, you just got to give it a shot. The worst that's going to happen is that you're going to engage with this the interviewer and you're going to lay down your like claims and say you're going to want something remote and they're going to say, okay, well, that won't work for us. Fine, it doesn't make a difference, but at least you applied to it and at least you engaged in conversation. And the people that I know that did get jobs, they got jobs from companies that didn't advertise the role as being remote. So I just want to say, don't make assumptions, just apply anyway, because running my own startup, and knowing dozens, if not hundreds of startup CEOs, I know that they're very open-minded and they're very versatile in, in their sort of employees and stuff like that. So that's, that's how you can apply to hundreds of jobs within an hour and pretty much definitely nail one. Absolutely awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm so excited that everyone's got the download on this. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll obviously, you know, detail that in the show notes as well. So I just... Something that I just observed from you during that, which is, was this idea around, you know, the fact that you very much stand your ground and you very much yeah. go, you know, this is what I want. This is what I'm after right now for me. And I'm a, I appreciate that you're a business owner or a head of this company, but this is what I, the value I'll bring in. This is my, these are my conditions. How did you develop that level of, you know, self-confidence, certainty in yourself and kind of those expectations? No, those, those um, just barriers that yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah. How did you develop those? And do you think that that's something that we can all develop? Yeah, for sure. There is no, there is no doubt that everybody can develop self-confidence and, and self-belief. Um, I think it comes down to knowing your own value and not giving a shit. Like, everybody is so fear-driven, and that's the problem, right? Like, I think everybody just, like, even, even one of my friends, like, while applying, he was like, oh, 
but they're saying they're going to give me like 20k more i should just stick it out for a year and i'm like dude no no you're not getting that 20k more <laughs> like it's just not happening man <laughs> stick your ground um and the question is so how do you develop that ability to stick your ground you know what it's it's no rocket science what do you want more do you want the ability to live life more or do you want the money more do you want to be in the trap of you know living that nine to five or do or, or are you so sure and so certain that you want to be able to travel the world and meet people and do whatever the hell you want that you are going to stand your ground it's not hard like it's not some magic you need to develop it just comes down to what you want more badly and for me it was just like that you you are not convincing me out of traveling the world and living my life the way i want it's my life right why would i surrender the next few years of my life to work to your conditions are you crazy like why would i do that right so i think people give in too easily because they 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 a run from a fearful mindset and they b they're not convinced that they want it badly enough because they may not have experienced it and i can tell you waking up and getting a massage every day and doing whatever the hell i want it's pretty damn amazing <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think that I think you're so right there, that idea of fear driven. I mean, I think so. I mean, you know, I know that was definitely me for so long. And I think that yeah. until you almost see yourself, like something happens or until you literally step out of your own body and just go, hang on a second, is this really what I want? And do I really want to allow other people to continue to run my life, whether that's my parents, whether that's my boss, whoever it may be. And so I think that that's yeah. a huge distinction and a, a huge takeaway that we can all yeah, that we can all learn from. Awesome. For sure, man. Cool. So trying something a bit different here, but I want to dive into a question that's around what are your three hopes for the next five years for yourself? I don't make hopes. I don't make, I don't do that anymore. Like it's, it's, I, I think I, I'm, I'm completely withdrawing away from the mindset of having plans and having goals, I'm surrendering to life totally. Obviously, there are things I want, right? Like, obviously, you know, there are things that, um, like, you may want to get married, you may want to have kids, you may want to do various things. But I have enough faith in myself and, like, life to just let it bring it to me. The, as I said, my entire life, I've tried to control and have goals and dreams and hopes and but you never like, you just never, it never comes, right? It's always like, then more time, then it's like, what happens is like, if I said, okay, here's my next hope for the next for three hopes for the next five years, what happens is that time goes, as more time goes, more fear kicks in, like shit, dude, it's been two and a half years. None of this has come true. Then four years, panic. Oh my God. Like I set five years to do this. I've only got one more year. I got to make it happen. Stress, stress, stress screw that man like i am totally surrendering to life and of course there's things that i want and of course like throughout my day i'm gonna go about trying to just get it or like if i wanted to for example have like if i wanted to get married or if i wanted to meet a soulmate hypothetically of course i'm gonna speak to more people and get to know them right like it's not hard but it doesn't mean i gotta like fix my life on these plans and goals and everything. And that's what we're taught. And that is the very thing that causes anxiety and stress and depression, because now you don't live up to your own expectations. Therefore you think you're a loser. Therefore your self-confidence goes down in the drain. Therefore you're a total mess. Just forget it. Don't create any goals. Don't create any hopes. Just know what you want and just slowly work towards it every day. Like, and you know, a lot of people are going to like this because a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people just drill this. Like, you got to have everything planned. You got to have the mindset. You got to have the goals. Like, 
no. Well, I've been there. I've been an entrepreneur and I can say it doesn't work. And those people are doing it A, for marketing or B, to get more likes on their quotes on Instagram. It's purely marketing, man. Do you think those guys are like, it's, it just doesn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. See, I'm totally against that notion. I love that. Do you think there's a difference between passion-driven or fulfillment-driven goals and hopes and aspirations and then pure kind of ego-driven goals for, you know, and passions and inspirations? Yeah, totally. Totally. I, 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 that's a very good distinction you've made. Like a lot of people, I think that's a great question that the audience need to ask themselves is are they doing it for ego reasons or are they doing it for passion and fulfillment? Um, here's the thing though, you've got to be very careful because even if you are doing something for passion and fulfillment and you turn it into a egotistical thing, like let's say I helped one turtle today make it to the ocean and then I done that for like three, four months and I was like, okay, no, I need to help a hundred turtles now and a hundred turns into a thousand and then a thousand turns into like you just you just got to keep that balance and you got to remember why you're doing these things you're doing it for fulfillment you can't save the world like you can't change the world i'm sorry like it you know it just is like people got to get out of this mindset that anything is possible because even Einstein said, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to go its whole life thinking it's stupid. Right. And it's true. Like just focus on having fun and doing what makes you fulfilled, but don't turn that passion into business and ego where, because it's going to happen. Like, trust me, I've helped at so many animal sanctuary centers where, and then volunteers around you will be like, Oh my God, you're doing an incredible job. You should like volunteer a little more more you should put it on your instagram you should put it on your facebook and then it's and then you're like hold on a minute guys i know what you're doing this is like gonna start becoming something <laughs> businessy for me it's gonna start overtaking my life and just be like you know just just understand and like what people are trying and the implications of what will happen if people tell you that mm. that's what i'm saying i so appreciate that and i think it's so interesting hearing this from someone who's been through that journey of building these companies and you know having that kind of great salary and all that that most entrepreneurs want and to be honest most millennials want whether it's in their corporate gig or whether it's at their in their startup you know and so i think that it's such an interesting conversation i so appreciate you sharing this with us purely because it you have been through the journey you know and you're almost speaking as of you know well this is kind of the way i've come out the other end and it's super interesting yeah awesome so as we come to the close of today's episode i mean we could keep talking for years but you know i'm I'm conscious of the episode length time and and your time as well and i just i guess firstly i want to say that you know i want to acknowledge you well and i think that for you know your your courage to just let go of the norm and to just go out there and do what you want to do regardless of what others think you know i feel I think that your story and everything that you're about is something that many of us can can learn from and many of our peers out there will probably be noting down a lot of what you've said today. So we really appreciate you and, yeah, excited to sure thanks a lot yeah i'm looking forward to the feedback and you know if anyone wants to hit me up on linkedin to send me their thoughts or just ask me questions they're more than welcome to. great so give you our final question which is how we finish yep. all of our episodes here at the peers project and that is what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about you know it's it's so interesting We live in a world where everything has to be measured, everything has to be tangible, everything has to be about numbers and figures and, you know, how much value did I gain from that? But 
there is no way to measure the value of fulfillment. Like when I save an animal's life, how do you how do you measure that? How do you measure the life of something like that? Like it's impossible, right? And that's why it's so fulfilling because it just sets off so much endorphins and it just makes you know you feel so incredible that it's not in, it's it's just done in a way that you can't describe. So measuring the value is something that. I don't think people should focus on. I think they should just focus on being more fulfilled. Just focus on the things that you know make you feel so incredible. And as a result of that, naturally the byproduct and the value of your life will increase as a result of that. Love it, love it, Madeline. Cool. So many awesome. takeaways. Where can people <laughs> learn more about you and your work? Sure. So, uh, you know, you're more than welcome to hit me up on Instagram. It's the underscore Melan underscore Amin or LinkedIn. Just type in Melan Amin. You'll see me on there. I think they're the two best places to hit me up. So yeah, feel free to get in touch. Perfect. Love it. Cool. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.